break room, me, Charles Carter to my left, Will Doctor, and working on the switches is Marcus Castillo. Welcome back, guys. We're here for another episode. How you guys doing? I'm pretty good. You know, another week of Tom Brady winning, another week of me winning. Uh, play some bits? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, well, obviously the picks were correct. Uh, yeah, that, that's the third week in a row. Yeah, Washington, yeah. Uh, New Orleans, and then Green Bay. Um you know, I'm I'm sticking to the script and riding with Tom till the end. Whoa, man! I, I should have listened to you on your picks, man. I came up pretty much empty this whole weekend. I I went ag- I went against Tom Brady. I know I shouldn't have. I should have just stuck with it because Tom Brady has that X factor. But no, I lost money and because I took Aaron Rodgers, I took the gunslinger. Yeah, me too. I was wrong with you, Marcus. I thought the Packers were gonna come away, and I thought the Bucks were gonna throw it away towards the end. Towards the end, I thought he was about to throw it away. He started throwing up balls and deep interceptions. I was like, ah, oh, he's losing. It, he's losing it, but Tom going to his 11th Super Bowl to learn that you that you have to bet with him in the playoffs. I think it was just one of those things where I was just riding the hot hand, and man, I, I just I just thought the Packers were unstoppable. The, pa- the Packers were hot. They were, everything pointed to the Packers. Yeah, well, not this past Sunday. Brady threw <laughs> Brady. Yeah, Brady was 20 for 36, 280 yards, three touchdowns, three picks in the second half. We'll get into that. Uh, yep, Tom Brady's heading to his 10th. Super Bowls, he tries to improve on his Super Bowl record, trying to improve it to 7-10. and 10. It was an unbelievable game. I mean, it all starts with the way that the Bucks came out. You know, this has been the slowest starting team in the NFL, even through the playoffs against Washington, against the Saints, against the Packers. Just an extremely slow starting team. Bruce Arians, a guy who loves to run it on first and 10, which is worse to me than the sound of nails scratching on chalkboard. But Bruce Arians took some early shots down the field, uh, and it paid off. Uh, You know, Tom hit Mike Evans with a dime right out of the gate. I'm a little unsure on who's calling the plays. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Bruce the credit. There is a chance that after some of these first and ten runs, Tom's just shutting off the mic. I I cannot rule that out. He said he lets Tom uh, run practice sometimes. Yeah, I read that today, and you know it really did get me thinking about it. You know, I I, I do wonder who's been calling the plays for the whole playoffs because it's one or the other. But the other big feature of the first half was Tom and the offense um, opened the game going. Some six for six on the first third, um, the first six third downs, uh, converting all of them. That know, was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Tom, that was that was a, um, I was gonna believe the stat once I saw it. I saw it, so I was like, oh my goodness, they haven't missed a third down yet. Like, yeah, yeah, no, Tom, Tom was destroying the defense by keeping them on the field. The Bucks on first downs, um, you know, in just a second, a couple more first half notes. Tom making the read to Scotty Miller on the deep ball before halftime was uh, was a killer to uh, most Packers fans' eyes. But, you know, punting on the 50-yard line, giving Tom the ball under two minutes. Matt LaFleur did it once, did it again at the end of the game. It's not a good idea to give this guy Tom Brady the ball with two minutes to go. Um, you know, he's, the, he's he is the best at the two-minute drill. He makes the read to Scotty Miller for a deep ball before halftime and uh, you know, it was the second time Green Bay cornerback Kevin King got absolutely burned. King allowed a 140.5 pass rating to Tom Brady on throws to Kevin King's coverage in the first half. Laughable at halftime. I wonder what the halftime speech was. Did he call his name? Did he point to him? 
he can make eye contact, you know. But about that whole uh, the Bucks and Packers game, I think the biggest takeaway for me was one Tom Brady is just a goat. Uh, all the third down conversions, the way they bounced back after the Packers responded in the second half, because the Packers came out to play the second half, one with all the turnovers, of course. But Aaron Rodgers was lighting it up. Came in the second half, I was thinking dunk pass, and he went for some mid, some uh, twenty yard uh, mid range passes too. It was crazy the way he was going. He was he started going in, but I didn't see the Bucks didn't back down at all. Their defense really responded. Tom really did bail Bruce Arians out on third downs the entire first half. There was a period at the beginning of the Bucks game where the gains on first and second down. Bear with me here. Goes three yards, three yards, one yard, no yards. Leonard Fournette touchdown run, incredible run. Seven yards, one yard, no yards, no yards. That was the Bucks game for a large majority of the first half on first and second downs. This is Bucks games on third down during that period of time. 27 yards, 15 yards, 15 yards, two yards, 15 yards, no yards, punt. 52 yards, 20 yards, no yards. It, yeah, it just shows how incredible the Bucks were on third down. And then going into the second half, um, you know, the, the defense had to, to to cover for Tom. Uh, the duo of Shaquille Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul terrorized Rodgers all game long. Absolutely. Together they combined for all of Tampa's five sacks. But, but Tom did not have a good second half. I'll be the first to admit that. It, it's been tough with Bruce Arians getting into the habit of running the ball on first and 10 because, listen, by the second half, it, listen, if we're, if we're figuring it out and, and I'm sitting there saying he's going to run, he's going to run, he's going to run on first and 10 every time, um, you know, imagine what the defense is thinking. They've really gotten into a, a comfort zone of doing it the last four weeks and, and getting away with it. I don't think that happens uh, against the Chiefs. I think this will be... In two weeks, come Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians will have to change up that strategy of of running the ball so much on a first and ten. It it just sets you back right at the gate. I agree. Uh, the Bucks' offense needs to get a lot more dynamic. It's too linear. Um, I, another thing with the well, with the Chiefs being their future opponent in the Super Bowl, everything that the Bucks are not is what the Chiefs are. The Chiefs are a dynamic offense. The Chiefs get after it on defense. Well, I'm not saying that the Bucks don't. You can't necessarily call what uh, or play the Chiefs are going to run on first down or second down. It's always different. The shuffle pass that they used against the Bills all game in the red zone, it, it, it was so it was so old school that it worked every time. You know, so that in itself is something like the Bucks need to integrate into the offense. But at the same time, you're dealing with a 43 year old quarterback. Not saying that Tom Brady's not great or that he can't make these things happen, but they're just a little bit more difficult because you're dealing with a not necessarily mobile quarterback. Mobile quarterbacks bring different plays. So I can't. I will give Bruce Arians that part, but it's not like you can't call anything else. You don't have to rely on the run game. So heavy when you have somebody like Tom Brady. Charles, where does Aaron Rodgers go after another NFC championship loss? Anywhere he wants, honestly. I mean... Do I think he's leaving the Packers? No. Uh, even after his comments that he said, um, I don't think he's going anywhere. But if he wanted to, there are only like maybe a handful of teams that say they don't need Aaron Rodgers. There are very few. If 
the Bucks if uh, they, if Tom Brady stays, which I believe he will. Um, depending on what if Deshaun Watson stays in uh, in Houston, the Texans don't need him. Um, the Chiefs, if you know, well Patrick Mahomes is gonna stay there. Uh, the Bills, Josh Allen. There's a few more other teams, but right around that, that's the only ones who don't need Aaron Rodgers. And I can't even say that I wouldn't take Aaron Rodgers over uh, Josh uh, Allen. So Aaron Rodgers after the game on Sunday said a lot of guys' futures, they're uncertain, including myself. Obviously pissed, pissed, pissed as hell after the game. Uh, a lot of emotions. We all know Aaron Rodgers' emotions after losses. Uh, and then this morning on the Pat McAfee show, kind of cooled off, said after the season that I had and potentially winning MVP, and we obviously made another good run, I don't think that there's any reason why I wouldn't come back. When asked about the comments after the game, he said it was more of a realization, I think, that ultimately my future is not necessarily in my control. It was just what kind of hit me in the moment. And, and and then he finished with to make an absolute statement about something that is not an absolute. I didn't do it. And I guess that's why it went kind of nuts. I don't know what the last two parts of that quote means. Um, I, I think he probably regretted to some extent. Yeah, after the game on Sunday, he put a, he, it seemed like he put a lot of the emphasis on the play calling on the loss. Um, he obviously, he said he wasn't responsible for any part of LaFleur's um, play calling on fourth down. The other side of the coin is Aaron Rodgers could have ran forward on that third down, um, picked up more yards, and given, you know, LaFleur, by the book, it, it was a coin flip. Uh, by the book to kick a field goal or go for it. It's 50-50. They're on the eight-yard line. You're really on the edge. He scrambles forward. He, he, I've watched the video a lot. He's either he's most likely getting in the end zone or uh, picking up some good yardage and letting LaFleur go ahead and roll the dice. You know, I think Aaron probably regretted the extent of what he said on Sunday. Uh, at first, I thought he might have been pointing out to what is going on with Deshaun Watson in Houston with his future being uncertain. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers has a couple more years left on his deal, but doesn't have any more guaranteed money left. You know, Deshaun's kind of in another boat, has four more years. Um, you know, his contract's going with him. Um, you know, I thought maybe Deshaun and Aaron were planning their ways out of their respective cities, but that doesn't really seem the case. Um, you know, I was looking at some of the contracts on the, in, in, the, in the Green Bay Packers organization, and it's obvious that he was talking about the contracts of, well, uh, of Aaron Jones, you know, his running back, and the center Corey uh, Lindsley. Um, you know, who's obviously a big part of that offense too. And then Aaron Rodgers is most likely going to want his contract being restructured. He definitely is going to want some guaranteed money. You know, you have to feel for the guy a little bit. Fourth and 26, bot sticks dropped onside kick. Forrest pick in OT against the Giants. Rodgers strip sack in Arizona in OT. Fitzgerald again in OT. Anytime they played Kaepernick and now Tom Brady's first NFC title appearance. That's four NFC title losses in seven years for Aaron Rodgers. But I think the simple answer is he is here to stay. You know, Matt LaFleur openly took blame for the play calling. You know, Aaron wasn't shy after the game about, um, you know, not being in charge of play calling. But I think the two will move on and we'll see him right back in there after next year. Yeah, I definitely believe those comments. Um, 
it's just after game frustration, really. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, like I said, he he um, went off and said that he doesn't see a reason that he would be gone. So, like I can say, I think it was nothing more than just after game frustrations. Like I said, another loss right before you had the chance to go to the Super Bowl. So that's all it was. Take it for, with a grain of salt. So looking forward, Buccaneers, Chiefs, Mahomes going for his second Super Bowl. Brady going for his seventh. We're still two weeks away. We're going to have a couple more episodes before the Super Bowl, but just off first glance, uh, who are y'all favoring here in uh, here in the Super Bowl? Right, I'm going Bucks. Uh, regular season, the game they had was entirely too close, and the Bucks team has evolved. Like their defense has gotten so much better, and their offense has clicked a lot more. And so I, there's no reason. And though Tariq Hill. <laughs> Though Tariq Hill went off in that first quarter for I think it was over 200 yards receiving, and it's two touch, I think he had two touchdowns if, I'm, if, uh, if I have it right, if I remember correctly. I, I don't think that, I don't think that's happened again. That was some just ridiculous. But even with that, the game was still close. Yeah, he had three touchdowns and 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 269 yards. Yeah, ridiculous. So and the game it still came out to be 27 to 24 at the end, but. Even with that, the Bucks have just shown me entirely too much. The defense has shown me too much. I have to give respect to where it's due. The the Bucks defense is such a and this is what a defense is supposed to be. They're such a, a rally a rally team. Like you're ever, r- rallying around Devin White. Exactly. So have you ever seen? I don't know if y'all ever uh, y'all ever seen any kind of anime, any kind of show. Yeah, of course, man. Okay. I, what, what anime are you referring to? You seen Dragon Ball Z? Of course. Okay. Of course. Of course. Of course. You know when the fight is close. And say Goku might be losing, he'll scream, he'll get real pumped up, and then he'll come through and win, right? Whenever it's closest, that's when he gets his strongest, right? Yeah. That's what the Bucks' defense is to me. Whenever the fight is close, that's when they play their best. And, you know, I, I don't know who you're talking about, but you know who else Goku sounds like? It sounds like Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, okay? A fighter. Yeah. A fighter. Yeah. Say his whole name, Will. <laughs> in, in, in the time that it matters. Exactly. So, well, I, I do think uh, I, I think the Chiefs are going to win. Uh, the only reason I say that is I if the Bucks come out to play the way they did against the the Packers last week, I do think the Bucks are more the, the Bucks are going to lose because you can't have that falling off like Tom Brady did because the Chiefs will take advantage of that and they'll continuously score on you. But I do also at the same time I do think the Bucks defense is a little bit better than the Chiefs defense and they could get that one term uh, that one takeaway that could change the whole momentum of the game. I I think he's probably already preparing like Cheetah has is is just he's going to have a hundred and fifty yard to two hundred yard game. I do not want to see a, a two hundred another two hundred sixty nine yard game again. I, I hope Anton Winfield is going to be back for the Super Bowl. Whitehead, Jordan Whitehead, the other safety, questionable, but all hands on deck. Anything took anything to cover Cheetah. Um, Sammy Watkins is also going to be back for the Chiefs, and so is Le'Veon Bell at Bucks. Antonio Brown needs to be in the game. Yeah, no, I th- and I, I think he will. Uh, the Bucks defense is going to have his hands full, but I'm really not worried. The front line looks good. Everyone's healthy. Sue, Pierre, Paul, Devin White. Is Levante David out? I believe so. He's out. He's done for the year, right? Yeah, he's been out. Devin White leading this defense. Going to have to come after 
Patrick up the middle. I'm really hoping to just not see any turnovers or sacks from Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, but it, also what we were just talking about uh, with the last topic, the Bucks need to diversify their offense. It can't be that same. It can't be the same thing. It's a great point. And so I think that's really the decided – well, that along with their offensive consistency is going to be the deciding factor, at least for me. Their, their play call needs to it needs to diversify. It can't be the same. I would like a nice quick start from, from Bruce and Tom too. Uh, they did it last week. I enjoyed it. Mm. It limited my heart attacks at the beginning of the game, and I think it's essential versus Patrick. I just I don't I don't love the slow start versus the Chiefs. Although they did it in this game in Week Twelve, because we have no qu- we have no questions or nothing is holding us back from saying the Chiefs are going to score when they need to. Nobody's saying that. no, no, no. Uh, yeah, you're. If you don't get Whitehead back, th- this is what I was saying at, at the beginning of this of the of the Chiefs Bucks. Mm. Spiel. Tom Brady's got to be preparing himself like Cheetah's going for 200 yards and three touchdowns. He's going to have to score. Um, and all hands on deck. AB, uh, Mike Evans needs to be catching the ball. And that second half, that, that, that Mike Evans, that second interception, Mike Evans should have had that ball. He, he got two hands on the ball. Um, it sailed on Tom a tad, but three plays before. Mike Evans let one go right through his hands. And yeah. granted, he had a great catch in the first quarter. But uh, if you're a top 10 receiver in the NFL, you just don't drop that ball. Um, and it ended up costing the Bucks' offense um, and, and one of Tom's interceptions. But we'll get to more Super Bowl talk next week, maybe later on this week. Uh, let's move on to the Houston Texans. It, it, it turns out that the Texans are thinking about uh, Josh McCowan, who is still on their roster? Leslie Frazier, the the defensive, he's a defensive coach. Um, David Coley, who we're having trouble finding any information about, and and why do you think the Texans are focusing on everyone else besides Eric Bieniemy? I have no idea. And why does it still feel like Bill O'Brien is still present in the building, even though he's not there? Easterby is still there, man. It, it not, the, the Bill O'Brien, I guess, soul does not leave the organization until you get rid of everybody that was affiliated with Bill O'Brien. You know what? And that makes a lot of sense. You know, I have some cousins in Louisiana, Marcus. They put quarters by the window, right, to keep evil spirits out the house. Like, they put, like, a little stack of quarters by each little corner of the window. I feel like that's what the Texans need to do with their facilities and keep the spirit of Bill O'Brien away from the building and, like, exercise Jack Easterby away from the organization because it makes no sense. How do you have Josh McCown, who's still in your roster? Josh McCown has played for 10 teams in the NFL. He's, what, 43, I believe? Uh, young, yeah. Younger guy, right? He, he, he might need some of those coins to possibly get a starting job before he takes on his coaching search. No coaching experience. He's played for the Eagles, the Browns, the Bears, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Raiders, uh, the Cardinals, the Lions, the Jets, the Texans. He's a familiar face, you know, so unless they're thinking, oh, he's played for all these teams, maybe he knows their playbook or it's, I don't know, something like ridiculous like that. It makes no sense to where you would even want him for a head coaching job and it's like they know Deshaun's gonna leave anyway and we're just gonna piss him off before we before he leaves how about that like I don't, I don't get it It makes no sense to me with josh mccallan yeah and i i've been hearing the same thing over and over again you know josh mccallan is a great guy you know but he is the one for the job i i don't 
disagree with either statement. I, I can't argue that Josh McCown is a nice guy, but uh, if I'm the Texans, if I'm Nick Casario, I'm not really looking for the nice guy. Um, you know, if the Texans are going to be the Patriots of the South and Nick Casario is bringing the brand down here, uh, then I, I think he wouldn't be searching for the nice guy as the head coach. Um, you know, was Bill, is, is Bill Belichick always a nice guy? And um, not everyone would say yes. This head coaching job in the NFL, it, it's not for the nice guy. You know, f- finding the nice guy sounds a lot like Jack Easterby trying to find someone that's going to fit his culture. Um, yeah, and, and since since his since his God is going to be the play caller for the Houston Texans next year, um, you know this this gives Josh McCowan some free ride to the head coaching position. The next reason why he's not the one for the job is I, I said this earlier. He, he's not officially retired yet. He's still on the Houston Texans roster. You know he's never been an OC or a quarterbacks coach, obviously, um, and I can tell you for a fact that Josh McCowan wouldn't make a good NFL head coach right now. And what quarterback has ever gotten in an NFL head coaching job before they even retire and before they even have experience as a coordinator? It's never happened. Look at Kellen Moore. Look at Kellen Moore. He played five years as quarterback in the NFL. He retired with the Cowboys in 2017. He became quarterback's coach the next year in 2018. There's obviously some type of process to this. I wouldn't mind if Josh McCown was the quarterback coach for the Houston Texans organization next year. He obviously has the knowledge to be an NFL quarterbacks coach right now. 18 years with the mic on on the sidelines, you pick up a lot of stuff. Hopefully he is familiar with some of these new offensive schemes and where this league is heading in an offensive way, but that's why you start as a quarterbacks coach and a coordinator. You know, you, like we, the organization has to find out what, where your mindset is. Like you, there's not look, and not to mention, that, yeah, uh, not to mention, you bring an inexperienced coach, a player who still who hasn't even retired yet, into the worst coaching position in the league right now. You have a new GM. You have a, quarter, a star quarterback who's debating leaving. You, there's nothing going on right now. The only attractive thing with your quarterback, your defense is awful. Your running game is awful. A running back who's what? How much is he getting paid this uh, this coming season? Eleven or t- my left leg? Yeah, is what David Johnson's being paid this year. Exactly. So uh, you you don't have cap space. Granted, if you move Deshaun, then it's it's, it's a different story, but. It's too much for somebody who's inexperienced. It's entirely too much. And you, ex- if you're expecting him to come in here and change the game and just be the uh, the rookie of the year coach for whatever reason, it it makes no sense. It makes no sense to anybody. Yeah, I'm still I'm I'm still trying to figure out why Mike Leach hasn't been interviewed for this job. You know, I, I you know I, I know the record hasn't been too bright the last couple of years, but we need the pigskin flying through the air all the time. Okay. We're stuck in this David Johnson contract. We need this ball in the air, air raid only. I personally don't want a uh, a defensive coach um, at the head coaching position, especially if Tim Kelly isn't involved in the future of running this offense. That being said, the more that I look at this defense on a day-to-day basis, just where the contracts are and the tape from this year— this defense needs some serious rebuilding. If we trade Deshaun, we're going to have all those picks, and I guarantee you a large majority of them would be spent on some, some elite uh, young talent at the cornerback position. 
Okay, Leslie Frazier, yeah. Uh, I believe Leslie Frazier is a much uh, better choice. Um, but personally, like, 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 I'm just like you. I don't necessarily want a defensive-minded head coach. Not again. I can't, I can't tolerate that again. Not anymore. Okay, we get that. Um, he was a head coach, Trinity, Trinity in the National University, right? Uh, defensive back coach. Then he got his first uh, NFL job under Andy Reid back with the Eagles. But the league is so offensively driven. Like, the, you have some good defense. There aren't any, like, shutout defenses anymore right now, at least not the ones that are in our division, at least. All of them are so high power offense, and that's what you need. You need the ball, the ball in the air. You need an air raid offense, and so usually, defensive coaches when they come into a head coaching position, the defense coordinators when they come into a head coaching position, they're they're run heavy guys. You know what I mean? They want to ground and pound. Um, they don't necessarily think about airing the ball out. It's going to be. It sounds like it's going to be more of the same. You already don't have the defensive pieces who you would want to make your great defense great, and so what would you do? Trade, um, trade Deshaun, and try to get more defensive pieces. No, that wouldn't make any sense. You would get offensive pieces because that's what you need. And so all it was, you'd be a great defensive mind with no defensive talent and high offense, uh, high, uh, other offensive pieces, but you're not an offensive mind. So it, it sounds like it'd be just so counterproductive, and it wouldn't really work for you. Yeah, it'd be another another five to seven years, and. Uh... Do you do you possibly think that the reason why it's so offensively driven is because of the way the rules are set up? I mean, everything's kind of set around to protect the offense, so it's hard for the defense to make any type of plays. So it would make sense, like you said, to get an offensive power because, again, it, you lay one finger on the quarterback wrong, it's an instant penalty. Marcus, that's a great point, and I'm glad you said that. The rules are geared for the offense success. It is. And so given that information... That's what you should aim for. Anything helps, especially in this organization situation. If you have nothing, do everything in your power to make sure you get every uh, boost, bonus you can get. If the rules help the offense, well, gear everything towards your offense because you have nothing on defense already. You're empty on both sides, or at least you're about to be if you don't, uh, depending on what they do with Deshaun. So. Yeah, and and the other thing with high powered offenses, these top five receivers in the league, there's there's no answer for them. Diggs, Adams, Hill, uh, you you can't guard like there there's there's absolutely no answer. There's no corner in the league that's gonna that's gonna cover them. As far as coaching goes, I I agree too. Um, you know, it, it's it's centered around the offense, and um, you know, the air raids the future. Watson's looking to leave no matter what, no matter if we hire Eric Bieniemy or not. At this point in time, there's reports that a that a head coach may be hired by Friday. What's the situation with Deshaun Watson? You're a top five quarterback in the league who just led the league in passing and wants to leave. Whatever income head coach, whoever, they say they might be hired by Friday if that happens. It's a horrible position you're in. It's just bad. The best thing to do and the thing you should do, get Deshaun out of there. Because we don't know, even though I don't think Deshaun is a disgruntled guy and a disruptive guy, I don't think that's in his character, really. But you just never know. You just never know. When you make somebody unhappy and they've voiced their opinions and everything like that, and they've tried to do things the right way, and you still don't adhere to that, then it's just you open the door for a whole lot of other unnecessary things. So to avoid that, when your organization's already in a horrible spot, just get rid of him. Just let him go. Let him go. let him go wherever he wants to go. Also, that would show a sign to, since you have a new GM, 
uh, sign of good faith to whoever's coming in, your new coach, or um, well, if they trade them after they get the new coach, your new quarterback who's coming in, or your new players. I'm like, oh, okay. It doesn't matter how big I get; they'll kind of they'll they'll at least do right by me uh, by the at the end of the day, you know. So. I think that's the most important thing, especially. And now, if he wants to be gone, they'll free up a lot of cap space. Uh, you can get a slew of players for him, and that won't make you a. It won't make you a playoff team if you're the Texans, but it might. It might get you a smile or two. It might get you <laughs> somebody to say, "Oh yeah, I'm still a fan," you know, or, or something. You know, you could save face a little. Yeah, I agree. You know, Mortensen officially reported last week that Watson wants out of Houston, no matter what coach, no matter if we hire Eric or not. So. Fans should prepare themselves. He's gone. You know, looking at deals with the Jets, that's really the only market that I've heard he he's interested in going to. You know, maybe new new uh, GM Nick Casario is looking at this dumpster fire that Bill O'Brien left him, and and he's just going to blow it up. Dumpster you know, fire. you know why not? Uh, you know, Deshaun had the best year of his career, first in every stat line. The team only won four games. Um, you know, save Deshaun Watson. Get him out of here. You know, if if you're a Deshaun Watson fan, well, if you're a Texans and Deshaun fan, you know, you, you're, you're wanting the best for Deshaun Watson, and that's for him to leave. This is poison. So we're moving on to the Rockets. See you back in the break. This ain't no G, this smoking nick, thrust for real. This that that how you choking and got two could kill. Okay, we're, uh, we're back on the break room here. Talk about some Rockets basketball. Uh, Before we get into it, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at the.breakroom.podcast. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at thebreakroomhou. Yeah, yeah. Go follow us on on all of those. Thank you, thank you, Charles. Twitter, the break room, H O U. Go follow us. Dialogue with us, man. We'll get into it. On to the Rockets. Kevin Porter Jr. is now a Rocket. Kevin Porter Jr. comes to the Houston Rockets organization with a lot of baggage at the young age of twenty years old, and none of his issues are on the court. Uh, in his rookie campaign last year. He averaged 10 points per game, 3.2 boards, 2.2 assists, uh, closed extremely well, about as well as a rookie would ever want to. He hit six threes in a game, scored against the old Rockets, uh, the old Rockets team with James Harden in the duel against Harden. Uh, both lefties, and Porter actually idolized Harden growing up. Uh, but no trouble, no strip club trouble for 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 <laughs> Porter yet. That there's nothing on the record happened in the strip club. He scored double figures in eleven out of his last twenty five games of the year. But as soon as the pandemic hit, the load of problems off the court uh, really started to, to develop. Um, you know, the Cavaliers missed the bubble, and all of Kevin, Kevin Porter's issues started to come up a little bit yeah. um, in August. Kevin Porter punched him in the face. It's never good. Never ends well for anyone. Two months later in August, he sends a cryptic Twitter message. Do you ever wish to see the end of time? Um, 
obviously driving the Cleveland Cavaliers crazy and driving anyone who would care about you crazy after you tweeted that. Um, a month later, in November, he was involved in a car wreck and arrested on gun and marijuana charges. Uh, luckily, all charges were dropped. So, uh, heading into the season was not on not on the best uh, point with the Cleveland Cavaliers organization, but he reported back to the team after the season. The organization decided to sit him, to sit him out in the offseason, um, gave him a reintegration plan to get back with the team, um, and which he did, started the season on the bench, and then all shit hit the fan when they came back in the locker room after a game and Kevin Porter completely lost it um, on... On, on Cavaliers GM Colby Altman and uh, and food was thrown. There was a food fight. I, I don't think I would get in a food fight with the big lefty, Kevin Porter. And we don't know if, if Altman was directly hit with food, but food was thrown, Charles. Yeah. Food was thrown. <laughs> there was a legit food fight. There was a food fight in funny. the Cavaliers locker room over Kevin Porter's locker being switched for what Trey told me earlier today was Karis LeVert's locker. Uh, it was funny. I can see about that. Yeah, okay. Back in my middle school, I mean, we had a food fight and a milk killed the principal and everybody, <gasps> you know, I wonder if it was like when he hit the GM that all the players turn around and like, you know. Yeah, uh, when Colby Altman got hit, did Kevin Love shit his pants <laughs> is the question. Cavaliers having a solid season, but they decided it was time to move on from uh, from Kevin Porter. Um and I would say I'd be pretty pissed off if I was Kevin Porter and, so, and then they replaced my locker too. I, I don't think I'd be really on board with that, especially if I was still on the team. But yeah. rumor has it that they were already checked out of him uh, before that. Here's the good news for the Rockets, Charles. This is a 20-year-old kid with loads of talent and athletic ability. Like I said, 10 points a game last year and ended the year extremely well. We have heard that former Rocket and now assistant coach John Lucas will be working with uh, Porter to help improve his off-court judgment, which would include the food fighting and throwing food. Uh, John Lucas has helped a lot of young NBA talent um, and NFL talent get back, uh, ranging from substance abuse to players with weight issues, and now uh, to his next test, players with food fighting issues. (laughs) Um, Secondly, we got him for free. Uh, The Rockets got Porter in in exchange for a second-round pick, a late second-round pick, 55 to 60, whatever. This pick will never come to fruitation. I'm not sure, Charles, if there are two better mentors in the NBA for Kevin Porter Jr. other than Steven Silas and John Lucas. Um, You know, Silas is a really positive guy, and when asked about the plan with Porter... He said it was going to be up to the Rockets to develop a good structure for him on and off the court. I think Kevin Porter's in good hands. I see this as a really good story in the making. Um, This kid can jump through the roof. A lefty like Harden. um, Need to see a little bit more of the jump shot, but uh, I think this is a good sneaky, sneaky signing. Um, I know... The, the issues are so relevant. This is all, you know, in the last yeah. eight months. Uh, but I think a little work with John Lucas, um, a little less food fighting, a little more draining threes. Kevin Porter Jr. can be a good basketball player for the Houston Rockets organization. Absolutely. KPJ can 
everything that happens with uh, with the Cavaliers, even though people do remember it because you, now you're with a new team, but it can always – everything can be water under the bridge once you kind of just show that you're doing differently. Uh, John Luke, we've known him to um, help other players and help mentor them, help them turn their lives around, and all that's good. But I think the best thing for the Rockets, like what you what you were saying, KBJ has a lot of talent, like more than what I think really people really recognize. Yeah, this like, is no Gerald Green it, signing. It, you know, this is a twenty like, year old kid with the world in front of him. Absolutely, he's it's big. It's, this is a big time signing for the low, and so we talked about the um, the mentoring off the court. Let's talk about what it could be on the court. If you fix some off the court issues. That'll make things uh, easier on court. But what people don't really, well, what I've noticed is that Kevin Porter Jr. plays like Victor Ladipo did before he got a shot. Super athletic guard, could jump off the roof, uh, decent, a uh, great, great handle, decent passing ability. And now you have that same player who had the same style of play. Victor Ladipo is now on the team, except Victor Ladipo now has a shot. Charles, who would win in a food fight, Oladipo or Kevin Porter? Give me the young one. Give me the lefty. It's, it's different for lefty. Lefties just have a special ability. I will be taking the southpaw, too. This could happen. We could see this. Things could go south. We could see this. I hope not, but I'm taking Kevin Porter on record. I'm with you. I do think if something was to go down, I think it's going to probably deal with DeMarcus Cousins. I, I, I think he probably has the least temperament out of everybody Ooh. on the team. I think everybody's pretty much easygoing. But if something's going to happen, it's going to be with Boogie. Ooh. Are we worried about Boogie being an enforcer? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like Boogie wouldn't have the most arm strength. I, I feel like I feel like Kevin Porter can really can really rip it. I, I I'm surprised he wasn't one of those guys that got like drafted in, in, in the MLB. You know, you always hear these freak athletes, you know. It, it's always their sport and then oh yeah, I got drafted in the MLB. Like Kyler and, and Jameis and even Tom Brady. Tom Brady got drafted uh, you know, uh in the MLB out of out of high school, I believe. Speaking of Tom Brady, the Rockets organization is seven and ten, which Tom Brady is going to be seven and ten in the Super Bowl uh, after next week. But let's stick with the Rockets. Do they have a chance to make the playoffs? It's really, really tough to tell at this point because because Raphael Stone has created a roster that could probably easily sneak in to, the, to a seven or eight seed. Um, we had the talent to do it, but we could also just completely miss out. The West is stacked. Um, the Rockets need their two main guards out there right now. Um, you know, at the, actually, at the time we're recording, uh, the Rockets just beat the Wizards one hundred seven to eighty eight. Um, you know, Boogie nineteen points, ten boards. Marcus, I, Marcus, you had a, you had a, a stat about Boogie. Um, something that he's done. I guess this, he was 28 last game, 19 this game. Uh, John Wall had a great game on the floor tonight, 24 points. Um, and in his first matchup against Washington, this game was in Houston. Um, Oladipo had a good game, 20 points. Eric Gordon, 20 points. Um, and David Nwamba, 11 points. Um, but what, what does this team have to do to come together? And that that's they need their two main guards out there right now. They need John Wall and Victor Oladipo out there right now. Um, and, and and John Wall has only played eight games. And, and Eric Gordon's the main ball hander out there. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, you know. But it's kind of like in a food fight, if you're the Rockets, 
and and you go in there without Kevin Porter Jr. Um, you know, you're, you're just at a huge disadvantage. Eric Gordon is is kind of that come off the bench and take over role. Um, I, he's just not the main ball handler. I like Wall and Oladipo hand, handling the ball. Um, Boogie Cousins leading the team and and Boogie Cousins is leading the team in assists. Um, that's you know we're, we're a fourth of the way through the season. Um, <laughs> So, so that weird. that our guards have to step up, uh, and I know Wall's still kind of coming back from injury. This is exactly what Charles Car Charles Carter was talking about when I was um, sky high on John Wall. Um, you know, we were concerned about the injuries, and and he really hasn't been wrong. Um, John, John Wall's playing once or twice a week. Um, you know, if we're serious about trying to make any kind of playoff run, you know, you got to be on the court a little bit more. Um, yeah. This team is just set up. Well, talking about a playoff run, like you said, I agree with them when we said we can maybe squeeze in seven to eighth seed. Maybe, you know, but Raphael Stone has really geniusly put this team together to be something to build on for the future. Not build off these players themselves, build off as far as getting new pieces. We're going to assemble a bunch of pieces and trading for a bigger piece. This superstar-driven league, like I was saying last episode we recorded, we have no superstars. We have a bunch of mid-tier stars, and which is fine. We, want, we have elite food fighters. Exactly. Things that won't win you a chip, but it, it might keep you in a game or two, you know? And so with that, with that being said, these, this team itself, could it, make you, could it get you into the playoffs? Maybe. But it's more so almost an audition for the next team they're going to go to because they're not going to they're not going to remain here. Most of them don't. Uh, and I say most. Uh, uh, I don't know what uh, Victor Depot still think if he still wants to go to Miami or not, or even if they even want him in Miami. These guys could be great assists to a main guy. None of these guys are the main guy. Yeah, yeah, and Vic, Vic seems like he's kind of playing somewhere in the middle with what's going to go down after the season. Kind of saving face with Houston. Um, you know, I could see this team building around me. Um, but you're exactly right. Teams weren't really taking chances on him after he only played like 40 games in the last two seasons. We're going to have to be patient here in Houston. You know, the Raphael Stone era is going exactly as planned, and it's so far so good. Um, you know, we, we got a boatload of first-round picks for Harden. Um, we get to test Victor Oladipo um, on an expiring contract. If Stone doesn't think he's part of the solution moving forward after the season, so be it. Vic can walk. Um, you know, John Wall is really the only contract that's tough to look at. You know, we're pretty much paying him 40 mil a year for the next three years to come play a game or two a week. Um, you know, and, and, uh, but hopefully he can be a good role, role model to younger players in the locker room. And he can be your vet. Though yeah. he's not as good as like a, a championship vet. No, 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 he's not. He can be a vet. No, no, no. He, he yeah, he, he's a mid tier vet. <laughs> If it wasn't for the injuries, you know, he look, look, he he's made about four All Star teams. Yeah. Um, hopefully, from a mental perspective, he can be a good vet. John Wall with no injuries is let's say we have five star players, a top tier player. John Wall is a four star player. Yeah, and, and you, I mean, with yeah. no injuries, yeah, you got to get on the court. You know, old CP three still out there. Guys look up to that. The older these older tier athletes. You know, I was I was, um, you know. 
You look at Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette literally looks at him as a father figure. You know, when when, when Thomas Calm plays out there, he feels, you know, these players feel that Tom is the leader, and if they get on his back, he'll take them there. It's the same thing with LeBron at 36 years old, last night dropping 46. Um, you know, it's the same thing with CP3. I, I'm not, you know, we're going to have to clarify CP3's age, late 30s. <clears throat> Being the leader on the Suns, it, it 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 there's there's so many. Well, there's actually not. There's not so many. It, it's a small. It's a small circle of, of these old, older guys who are. He's thirty eight. Yes, Chris Paul's thirty eight. Thirty five. He's thirty five. Thirty five. Chris Paul's thirty five. Still on their A games. Still producing for the organization and being a leader. Uh, and not to mention, some of these players might actually forget that. Once they come into the league, like okay, you had um, certain players look up to other players, other, other great players, um, R.P. Kobe, but saw Jordan and played against Jordan, um, LeBron to Kobe, and all these other, you know, you have those older players who were there, and you saw them back when you were still on the come up, you know, you uh, for LeBron in high school or some of these other players in college, you know, you say, I kind of want to be like them, I want to play like them, and then you actually get into the NBA and you see them. And now you see how they conduct themselves. Like it's, it's just a feeling you get. You kind of you playing with your idol. It's something you always kind of dreamed of, you know. Right. And so, I, agreeing with your point. No, yeah. Even 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 Kobe is, is one of them. You know, uh, you know, R.I.P. Kobe. One year one year ago today, uh, but he's he's just another example of of guys who performed at a very elite level later in their career and was able to to lead was able to gather a group of guys and bring them together and get more out of these role players around him and and not the most talented ones either you know i mean kobe was getting the most out of his guys with a group full of guys who weren't that talented after Shaq left it, it, it's a very small circle of the of those elite players, those elite older players who can still perform, fill up the stat lines. Let's move on to Christian Wood, uh, one of Raphael Stone's best acquisitions. Is Christian Wood an all star? And do you like my pick for him being the most improved player of the year? I do, I do, I do believe he's an all star. Um, also. I, I also agree with the most improved player for the year. Um, I don't think, I don't think anybody. Because also, granted, we didn't know what Stephen Silas was really looking for at the beginning of the season. Um, but given what Christian Wood has been able to do with the new coach and a new team uh, and a new cast, all, it, it, new additions, almost what <laughs> every other week, every other week, every other week. He, yeah, uh, yeah, and so. And he's still producing. It, it, there's been no kind of drop off. There's no been. There hasn't even been a, an adjustment period, you know. So it, definitely the most improved player. Um, if he continues like this, definitely going to be an all star this season. So yeah, I definitely agree with your point. Well, agree with that. Thank you. And, and good choice, by the way. Good choice. Good choice. Agreeing with me because here's here's Christian Wood's stats uh, last year with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, 13 points per game and 6.3 rebounds per game, one assist per game. Here are his stats this year with the Houston Rockets. 23.5 points per game, 
10.8 points per game and two assists per game. One and a half, one and a half assists per game. Sorry, um, you know, and and Hollinger's player efficiency ratings. He's fourth overall in centers in the Western Conference, but when it comes to to points, rebounds, and assists, um, you know, he's the number two center in the Western Conference. I was not expecting that. Yeah, no, no. I was. That he is improved. That. I he is. Yeah, he's improved that. his points by ten points. He's improved his rebounds by four points. Uh, you can't find me a, a player who's improved more. Uh, in the NBA this year. Um, and, and when it comes to All-Star, uh, he's just gonna, look, he's going to have to be on the court. Um, and he, he rolled his ankle extremely, extremely bad, looked pretty painful. Um, I think it was two or three games ago he's been out, been resting. Um, but he, he's about, he's trailing these other guys by about five games. Um, and it would be uh, Jokic, um Who's averaging twenty five, eleven, and nine, uh, which is insane. You now you're talking about the best centers in the league. Christian was not in that quite in that conversation yet with Jokic and Bead, um, you know, Cat, uh, but certainly making his way there with the, with these young centers like uh, DeAndre Aiden's another one. Uh, Aiden's averaging fifteen, twelve, and and then two, um, but. Christian Woods, a good young acquisition. I think my 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 most improved player pick is looking pretty good, um, and we'll see about the All Stars. Um, also, I think he can side. I think he can evolve even further under Boogie, because Boogie's been playing well these past couple of games too. And so, like, granted, but I feel like Boogie doesn't have a whole lot left. But whatever he does, I think he can. All, Christian Wood could stand to gra- uh, gain something from that. Boogie Cousins, uh, uh, provoker of the food fight and improver of Christian Wood. Boogie Cousins. We'll keep an eye on him as long as he can stay on the floor. You know, all these guys have to stay on the floor. Boogie has a temper problem. He's always getting kicked out of games. Um, You know, the team's hurt, banged up, but we do have a lot of picks. A lot of good things coming up for this team. Um, You know, it's the state of the Rockets, and uh, we'll be right back in the break room. And we are back with the break room. And next on our list was more NBA. We've been seeing how, well, we know James Harden's went to the Nets, and the Nets have become the beast of the East, as Will Doctor might say. So with them, the new big three in the East, right, and they're looking beyond dominant right now. Comparing two big threes, one big three of old, the Miami Heat versus Brooklyn's big three, uh, who do you think will have more success in their time together? Uh, Miami's big three. Uh, I see some pretty serious defensive issues with this news Nets team, uh, giving up like 118 to 122 points a game, maybe even more. That first game versus the Cavs, um, I think it was absurd. They're in the mid hundreds. Um, that that Miami Heat team, D Wade, LeBron, and 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 Chris Bosh could lock shit down. Um, bottom line, and the Nets are, ha- are are having identity issues. You know, they didn't get a full off season. I remember when the yeah. news broke about LeBron and 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 Bosch teaming up with Wade. You know, we were in the off season, and and you know they they got to meet up in Miami and have their big ceremony. The big threes coming to Miami, um, a full off season to, off season to prepare. Um, you know, the Nets have just kind of been thrown into this, and it doesn't even look like their roles are that solidified. You know, 
I hear I, I keep hearing Kendrick Perkins talking about Batman, Robin, and Alfred. <laughs> okay, KD should be Batman. James Harden should be Robin, and Kyrie should be Alfred. But at the moment, it's Katie Batman. Kyrie, Kyrie thinks he's the second best player on the Nets right now. Uh, he he he's taking the amount of shots that Robin would, and <clears throat> Harden's kind of falling back as the Alfred role, you know, getting a lot of dishes. But really, is I think really only averaging about twelve shots a game, twelve to fifteen shots a game, which is pretty low for him. Yeah. Um, Look, we're we're really early on in this thing, but with how the deals are structured and, you know, KD and a couple other of them are going to be, you know, free agents after next year, this is a two-year window for the Nets, and then they're really screwed um, if they end up losing those players yeah, uh, because they've given all their picks to Houston. Um, I, I don't see this being as successful as the Miami Big Three. Um, I hope Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets organization proves me wrong, though. Um, you know, I'd love to see Harden go, 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 go elsewhere and win a ring after all the slander that is being talked around him in this city right now. Yeah. Um, with the Nets in Miami, Miami, I agree. Miami, I, I feel like we'll have more success, but Net, the net, Brooklyn has the potential. I think there's too much expectation uh, with the Nets. Like what you said about they were just thrown together. There has there's no integration period. Really, what we saw with James and Kevin Durant, they looked phenomenal on their own. And now, like you're trying to integrate a third person in in that offense. And not saying Danton. Well, even though Steve Nash is the head coach, it's Dantoni's offense. It's a quick offense. Miami was such a balanced team. No one can say that they were all offense or all defense. They were they were so balanced they could do anything, you know. But why didn't they win consistent championships? Well, well, why couldn't they beat teams like Dallas or the Spurs? It wasn't because they weren't more talented. It's because they relied on talent too much. They didn't have that time to uh, to roll on for another year, right? That's what I feel like the Nets need. They need we we can't expect too much from this season. I think talent alone can get them there, but it won't they won't win. I think if they get to the finals and get slammed by the Lakers, it'll do them so good. And then they have a better chance to come back the next year and win. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. And another question is like, what, what's going to humble Kyrie enough to see that the best way to go about this is start all of them and then. Start all, you know, Katie, Harden, and Kyrie, obviously. Um, and, and Kyrie coming out about two or three minutes before Harden and Katie on the first switch. And then coming back in a little earlier in the second. So their minutes are evenly divided. Look, Kyrie, Harden, and Katie on the floor is a lot for three guys that want the ball, especially Kyrie. Um, you know, I, I think you got to split up the minutes. I just think <laughs> we're talking about the NBA. This is a players' league. These players make the calls. Kyrie don't want to be the early man out. Then you know he doesn't want to do it. He obviously has an issue. It, it, it's it. The stats are starting to show that he wants to be the guy taking the shots. Uh, um, if it's not going to be KD, um, and 
I think James is probably perfectly fine with that. You know, he, he's had the ball in his hand for the last eight years of his career. Um, he's looking to win championships, and if he's got to step aside to do so, I don't think it's, he has a problem. He was talking about that last night. And, uh, but, you know, once again, there, there's there's a lot of slander on Harden, you know. I, I saw people responding to him last night saying that, you know, he, he did us dirty and he did the city of Houston dirty. And um, I'm sticking to, to, to the – to, to to my opinion on it. Harden did Harden's doing what he has to do to go win a championship. It was a mutual decision. We got what he's worth. Um and we're moving on. This is you know the the Houston Rockets are moving on. Uh just like the break room's about to do. We're getting into who's hot and who's not right now. Charles, you started off. Who's hot? Uh the only, I only got one person on my who well, two on my uh who's hot list. I got Tom Brady. No explanation needed. The first quarterback ever to play a Super Bowl in his home stadium. Tom Brady is lit right now. It makes on his first year with a new team. It's it's ridiculous. Like we can't say enough about what Tom Brady is going to what his tenth appearance. About to be his tenth appearance. It's, it's yeah, crazy. tenth Super Bowl appearance. That was his sixth conference championship win in the last ten years. You heard Will Doctor? It's crazy out here, man. And so. That's uh who that's why Tom Brady's hot. Second person who's hot, Jordan Woods. If you haven't seen the Busted Challenge, go check out Jordan Woods. Um, self-explanatory. I will let the people decide for themselves, but you will know what I'm talking about if you go look at it. All right, I have Trevor Bauer, uh, who is about to get the biggest contract in baseball on the shortest amount of time. Uh, Bauer's been stressing that, you know, with his YouTube channel that he's seeking a partnership with a win-now team that will support his dire need to grow his social media brand um, and have an honest conversation about him pitching every fourth day. I, I, as much as I don't like how much Bauer has, has hated uh, the Houston Astros, I have to respect his... Whatever deal he's going to get, it's going to be a short-term, big-money deal. Um, I respect that, not cashing the big nine-year baseball contract that we're used to seeing. Maybe test the big market in New York for two years and get out. Uh, my second one's Jose Canseco. Uh, now, not not like he's made any huge news lately. He's, uh, he's fighting Barstool Sports' intern, Billy Football, coming up. Uh, but I, I watched... Uh, the Truth Hurts last night. It was the film about Jose Canseco. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Jose Canseco um, was a tremendous baseball player in the late 80s for the Oakland Athletics um, and uh, was obviously kind of the first player to be wrapped up in the steroid air. Um, you know, coming out of coming out of college, uh Kaseko was compared to Reggie Jackson, who was his idol growing up. Um, you know, got drafted by the A's, was struggling out in Modesto, California. Um, you know, gets a call from home. At, at the time, Kaseko was only making six hundred dollars in the minor leagues. Um, you know, he's six one a buck sixty, really struggling, and really had no uh, drive to go play major league baseball. You know it. It's funny because at the time he made it sound like it was just kind of an, a fresh out of college job, you know, being in the minor leagues, which um, I thought was interesting. But uh, he gets a call back from home and his mom ends up having a brain aneurysm um, and and he gets a flight, flies home, 
to Miami and his mom's dead um, on a on life support right when he gets home. Um, and, and he tells his mom, for you, I'm going to be the best player in the world. Um, he promised her that. And he goes on to, you know, she dies and he becomes a freak. Uh, you know, he, he, his, he ends up having a freak obsession with baseball um, and getting better and, and keeping the promise that he made to his mom. Um, and, and, you know, he ended up asking his friend, Ricky, you know, Jose Canseco had a friend named Ricky, of course, who told him that roids would help him become faster and stronger. Um, you know, at the time he was 6'1", 160 pounds. Jose Canseco was before steroids. Um, but he he also talks about the work that had to be put in on top of taking those steroids. Um, you know, the amount of work that he was doing, he noted he was working out down at University of Miami with the speeding conditioning um, you know, coaching there. And he promised himself going into, um, you know, a season in the late eighties that he was going to do the 40, 40 that had never been done before 40 home runs and 40 steals. Um, you know, at the time, Tony Lusa was the manager looked like he had, you know, he was throwing back four or five wine coolers every game in the dugout. Canseco went in that year and stole 40 bases and and hit 40 home runs. And after he steals his 40 base, he literally pulls the base out of the ground. Um, and, and his veins out of his arms are just erupting out of his arms. At that point in time, he had fulfilled the promise to his mom, um, you know, that he had become... Uh, you know, the best baseball player on earth. Like by the metrics at that time, he had become the best baseball player on earth. <clears throat> um, and I think the ultimate question was if if Conseco never had taken steroids, would he have ever been in the MLB? The answer is yes. Um, the dominance might not have been there, but, um, you know, when all these players got caught in 2005, when they all had to go to court, it was Conseco, it was Roger Clemens, it was Rafael Palmero, and it was uh, and Sammy Sosa up there, uh, and Mark McGuire. Clemens wasn't up there yet. Clemens, Palmero, and Sosa all denied using and and Conseco, and and the truth hurts was like when they they all looked at the judge in the eye was like we did not take steroids. Mark, you know, McGuire and Palmero, we did not take steroids. Mm. He had shot McGuire and Palmero up with steroids, you know, and they were so scared. And Palmero was like, at the time, you know, there was just such a high pressure to perform, and roids weren't really legal at the time. Um, so he just came out there and admitted it. Um, you know, Palmero lied, and two weeks later, his positive test showed up. Um, and, you know, Conseco really talks about the pressure. Um, that there was to perform and it kind of, it did end up becoming an addiction. You know, he can take out a very tough time getting off that stuff. Uh, but he considered himself an entertainer when he first got to Oakland, the A's were selling 2000 tickets a game, nothing. <laughs> when him and McGuire, the bash brothers came up and they did, and, and consecutive the 40, 40 and McGuire started chasing the, the home run record they were selling out every game before the season even started. 50,000 players a game. Um, and, and 
you know, this film really changed kind of, <clears throat> it changed my mind about these players being in the Hall of Fame. Um, I, I think all of them, I, I wasn't a huge fan. Uh, when y'all go watch, you'll see Palmero looks that judge in the eye and was like, I did not take steroids. And he tests positive two weeks later for a pretty, uh, <clears throat> a pretty aggressive steroid. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of that. You know, he lied under oath. Uh, but these players should ultimately be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and, and I think that's kind of my conclusion. Uh, that, that's my conclusion to, to the Conseco being um, on the hot list this week after I watched this documentary. Uh, Conseco moved the game. You know, he was an entertainer. I understand that, that, that steroids uh, hurt the game and it hurt a lot of kids. Canseco says it kills a lot of, you know, it killed a lot of kids. The numbers back it up. Um, but ultimately, these were very talented individuals. Uh, the steroids didn't hit those, those hormones out of the ballpark. Um, the one thing I want to close with the Canseco thing, then we'll move on to who's not. He kind of said it in the documentary that, uh, that the MLBPA and MLB kind of closed the door on him. Because, you know, when he was 36 years old, Canseco tries to go back to an MLB tryout. And Tommy Lasorda on the Dodgers. Canseco ended up at 36 years old having the second fastest uh, 40-yard dash time. And Lasorda was like, I'm not taking a chance on you. Uh, Canseco had, his, had, a, had a nice lengthy crime report. Uh, and 89 arrested in Florida for reckless driving and after a 15-mile chase. 92 aggressive battery for ramming then-wife Esther's BMW with his Porsche when he wasn't broke. Uh, and 97, his wife Jessica uh, had him arrested um, because he hit her and he, he had a one-year probation. 2001 <clears throat> was, with his wife, was with his brother Ozzy in a Miami nightclub. They get in a fight. Um, two California tourists had a broken nose, one needing 20 stitches, uh, 2003 missed court appearance. Um, and cause he was battling for custody over six year old son, 2003 uh, arrested for violating probation. So wouldn't say MLBPA necessarily closed the door on Conseco, but, um, you know, I give him the fair shake. He got pretty screwed by the MLB, uh, moving on. Who's not? Uh, go ahead and go first, Will. All right, well, I'm going to start with Jay Cutler. Um, you know, this one's for the kids. Uh, you know, Southern Charm, um, a pretty popular TV show for the common white woman. Um, Jay Cutler started started dating Madison LaCroix from Southern Charm after getting divorced from his wife, Kristen Cavallari, who had his three kids with. Um their divorce was about a year ago, and this week Jay Cutler posted a picture back with his ex-wife, Kristen Cavallari, um, you know, with the caption, the world, the world is full of users. Ten years can't break that, um, you know, and that's interesting because if you've been following the last few months, you would know that Kristen has had a friendship with Austin and Craig from Bravo Southern Charm, uh, who previously dated Madison, uh, the girl that called out, well, <clears throat> Madison from Southern Charm after Jay posted the picture with Kristen and, wow. uh, you know, called out Jay Cutler and exposed him through all these texts, um, you know. No, it's a sad day. Yeah, you know, it, it, yeah. Pour, one, pour one out for Jay Cutler, moving on, who's not. Okay, 
Who's not on my not? Uh, who's not on my not list? <laughs> Weird, but okay. It's like out of my not list, man. Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson's on the not list because okay, I'm not really up to date on a whole lot of uh, uh, Kardashian things. That's still a show. I don't. Yeah, uh, last season right now. Okay, okay, okay. So uh, I think he was dating Khloe Kardashian, right? Uh, he ended up cheating on her with uh, Jordan Woods, is her best friend, or something like that, right? Uh, if you go look at the Jordan Woods Busted Challenge, then you will know uh, this is a part two why Tristan Thompson is on the uh, the not list. Anyway, the main reason he's on the not list is because he was quoted saying that um, I could put my heart and soul to, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, put my heart and soul into uh, that Cavaliers team and uh, Cleveland is a, is a gritty city and they work, everybody works hard and I try to do the same for them so hopefully they hang up my jersey and retire my jersey one day not Tristan Thompson never they should retire my jersey yeah no never uh, okay. Kevin Porter might have a better chance of getting his, his, his jersey retired uh, for food fighting in Cleveland than, than Tristan Thompson exactly okay Tristan Thompson averaged around what, what uh, around 8 points and 9 rebounds not even a double double for a big, and you want to get your jersey retired? That doesn't get a call jersey retired. It, it doesn't. It, it it doesn't. And so yeah, he's definitely on the not list. One because you had Jordan Woods and she's gone now, and she's doing bus challenges like that. And you're asking to get your jersey retired, and you didn't even average a double double. If I had a horn, I'd blow it right now. To get that man, well, not prop for what he did, but man, you have to hang up his jersey at least for getting with multiple women, like yeah, night was, after night. Yeah, I mean, that was that's crazy. How'd you do that? Like, honestly, while while having a relationship, like, like what, what makes a, you a think that's gonna work? At that too. Yeah, what makes you think it's gonna work, especially being with the Kardashian? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a dead end. It's a dead end. Uh, that's gonna wrap up the Break Room Podcast. I'm Will Doctor. This is Charles Carter. Go follow us on Twitter. At the break room, HOU. Marcus, we always appreciate appreciate you being on the ones and twos. Uh, we'll see you later this week and next week. Uh, we appreciate all our, our listeners. Once again, go follow us on Twitter at the break room, HOU. Also, we on, oh, also on Instagram at the.breakroom.podcast. Check us out. Deuces. Take a trip on Aunt Jack, we ain't got no monies. I-